Yeah, I have a. Uh, I want to know Michael's thoughts about the randomizer and Zangetsu for sure, but I don't know how much like. Well, cover it in the episode. There's there's a, a podcast <laughs> coming. I mean, we can just. <laughs> podcast do the things we could just do episode 207 of we were gamers i hope you guys are ready because we're going hello hey <laughs> all in. how's it going michael uh i just want to kick things off by wishing a happy 15th anniversary to friend of the pod leroy jenkins no really today what today 15 years yeah so the consensus is that was staged now right I don't know how it could not be staged. Well, it just seems so panicked at the time. Like, the, the camera work wasn't very good for a staged thing. But then again, that was 15 years ago, I have to remember, I guess. I mean, it's one dude videoing a raid, like... Yeah. Yeah, but nowadays you'd have, like, the whole raid cutting their footage together, right? Sure. Yeah. But, like, it, everyone 15 is years ago, like, if you had one guy running fraps, your guild was legitimate. You know, like, dang. That's a that's a callback to all you people. You know, uh, someone told me yesterday, they're like, we should get on Vent. And I said, have you been on the internet in the last five years? You know, I had Ventrilo installed for a really long time because I played, still played WoW. Uh, and then someone on our WoW guild was like, why are all you people using Ventrilo? This software sucks. Yeah, and like someone has to pay for the server and all this. It's like, here's a free one named Mumble. It does the same stuff, mm -hmm. has a better interface, and it's free. Everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> and then I kept that installed for a really long time, and I stopped playing WoW. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, I don't need any of these things." <laughs> and Discord exists. Well, Discord, yeah, it didn't come until later, but like, yeah, yeah, it was definitely like a. There's no purpose for this if I'm not playing WoW. <laughs> Yeah. For a long time. Yep. Not that they took up much room, but yeah. It was yeah. odd hearing Vent, and I was like, whoa. You know, like a uh, time capsule moment. It was fun. <laughs> hey, uh, the, uh, I, I don't the think we introduced Base Hunter song where they sit on Vent and play Dota. Nice. I love that song. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Andy. We're here. This is now a Halo 2 podcast. Woo. I mean, it's not as of the time we're recording this, but it would be by the time people are hearing it, probably. Ooh, time travel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Halo 2 is going to be out this week. I didn't think I would be excited about a Halo 2 re-release at any point in my life. <laughs> like, yeah. literally, right? I've decided years ago, I, I assume everyone else here on this podcast decided years ago... I'm done with the Xbox. I don't... I don't... There's Gears. There's Halo. Don't get mad at me if you own an Xbox and I don't know more things that are exclusive to those <laughs> things. But those are the marquee titles that I remember and enjoyed. And uh, the box price wasn't worth it to me. And then, for some reason, uh, Microsoft said, Hey, you know, we have these PCs that everybody has... We could sell more games to people that have decided not to get an Xbox. 
And uh, now we're all stuck in a house with no chance of talking to other human beings. And certainly everyone wants to play Halo. I want to play Halo. Are we already playing Halo since this is the future? We might be. Who could say? I mean, I can say. Would you like to play some Halo? (laughs) I was going to say, you're probably playing Halo. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in, man. As people listen to this, we're playing Halo 2. There will be Halo 2 content coming. I think that game is probably going to be a lot of fun. Considering our ending frustrations with Halo 1 and the last half of that game. Basically... Everything about Halo 2, I remember being better than Halo 1. Mm -hmm. I remember playing the multiplayer way more because everyone wasn't mad about getting sniped from across the map with the pistol. (laughs) Uh, I remember everyone being like, oh, you can use the alien guns now that you can pick up two weapons because the alien guns together are actually good. Yeah, two of those plasma rifles are pretty dang devastating. Like, even dual needlers is worth using. Not like it's good, but like, if you had that, it's better than like one single gun i'm gonna have to give back my old reflexes of uh smg switching because they didn't add the battle rifle in halo 2 right that's Uh, halo 3 halo 2 oh no see i don't know i truly don't know this is Um, i'm thinking this but i could be wrong they dumbed down the clip on the assault rifle or right, on they, machine gun the or assault, whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, the, the like basic rifle that had a million bullets in the original has not a million anymore. Okay, I'm pretty sure Halo 2 has the SMG. Oh my goodness, I'm going to get I'm in pretty trouble. Sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pretty sure it does. I'm going to get in so much trouble. Uh, we'll, issue a, we'll issue a correction No, we week. won't. We really won't. Uh, I'm going to say like, no one's gonna get in trouble. rifle like, is Halo 3. Three. I'm doing this for I think memory. it is. I think it is. Okay. Because Halo 2 added the sword and it was like really overpowered. That's right. Yeah. I think it's SMG and then Halo th- sword. And then Halo 3 added charges on the sword well, so it wasn't no. just... Then SMG has got to be Halo 3. Right? Because SMG probably came with battle rifle. It wouldn't make much sense to add the SMG without I mean, the that battle makes... rifle. What you're at saying makes sense. No, it's Halo anymore. 2. It's got to be Halo 2. I'm pretty dang certain. Does Halo 2 not have the sword? Now, am I making that up? And that's Halo 3? Halo 2 definitely has the sword because you, yeah, you play as the Covenant in Halo 2. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And the sword is like ludicrously overpowered in Halo 2. That's the thing I just remember. The only thing I ever wanted to do in Halo 2 multiplayer was get the sword and like zip across the map murdering people. You and everybody else. <laughs> it was the best, man. <laughs> I remember that one I game. Think, I think you were there. When Possible. We, we hung out a lot during this time. This so. is true. Uh, when we hooked up how many TVs and Xboxes throughout my old house. Yeah, this sounds like a thing for, I was a part of. What was it for? I think it was for high school graduation. I want maybe we had like yeah, yeah. I, I remember this. We had like twelve or sixteen people over and yep. did a and we we hooked up a land cable to all of them. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I think I still have that hub. <laughs> the only use for that hub being this. Uh <laughs> nothing else. You know, that hub might come in useful now that I have so many old consoles. Uh, I don't have to put them all on Wi-Fi. I could just plug them all in. Okay, I mean... Like this Wii, this Wii U. 
Oh, the Wii U can't do it. But the Wii, the no, the Wii U, yeah, the Wii, the Wii U. What else do I got here? I got a bunch. Doesn't of Doesn't the Wii here. not have a network port? No, it totally does. I'm pretty sure because it had a online store. This the Switch doesn't have a network port. You have to get a dongle. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, Halo 2. Good game. <laughs> okay. Um, I think there's a big bit of news, but there's a lead-in to the big bit of news. Are you ready for it? I love news. They done did me. Done did you wrong? I don't know about wrong. You guys tell me. <laughs> I can't say. About a month ago, uh, the sales on video games started, where everyone starting their own bundles of, hey, you're at home playing video games, enjoy this discount, buy our game. Yep. To wit, I hath declared to JJ, JJ, this Civ Six bundle includes every single DLC and side thing and the two expansions for the price of the base game. Do yep. you believe, just like Civ Five, that they are done after two expansions? To which I answered yes, because after Civ Five, they were done after two expansions, and they put out a bunch of DLC, which this game already had. I confidently clicked the buy button. <laughs> they done did me. Uh... Today, they announced <laughs> Sid Meier's Civilization VI, the New Frontier Pass. Is it really that long, the New Frontier Pass? Uh, it, it's called New Frontier Pass, but like, you know, it, it's a... Anyway, you could put the in front of it if you want. I mean, I sh- it's you called should put the New in Frontier. front of it. It's called New Frontier Pass. That's oh, that's worse. It shouldn't say... It should just be Frontier Pass. And then I'd think, like, it's all about, like... uh crossing the kansas plains or something or just call it new frontier do you need the pass no, you can't call it new frontier that's already yeah so you uh, no it's okay. not yeah it is from what? civ 5 isn't it no mm. there's a brave new brave new world okay there's gods and kings okay okay and what was i think that was it for civ 5 What's yeah the, what am i thinking of new frontier I don't know what you're thinking of. New Maybe there's a Civ 4 or Civ 3 thing? I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, uh, the reason they say that, though, is because they want you to think about this like an expansion. Uh. <laughs> but it says the word pass, oh, so you know no. that it's not. Oh, no. Now, I, I'm really torn about what this thing is. So, uh, so here's what it is, right? They've said okay, so, this is a... So this game operates this way, Michael. Civ 6 comes out. Civ anything since four comes out. Yeah. Then they dribble, I mean. they dribble you with like, don't you want this two ninety nine thing so you can play as the Celts? Don't you want this three ninety nine pack of scenarios so you can try and win our fake version of World War One? Don't okay. you want this four? You want to play as Eric the Red and yeah. fight uh, the Viking, fight the English off yeah. the Vikings? Uh huh. Here's our quasi-historical packs or a couple new civs 
or they, you, uh, they to to their new, credit new game modes yeah sure game for, mode for five and six uh, the game modes typically have been free but typically because I you know who knows but the the sieves usually they charge for right and for five and six they both re- they released like three or four DLC sieves and for six there's like quite a bit actually there's like six or seven DLC sieves which you wouldn't know or I wouldn't know because I haven't even played all the base ones that are in the games I have. But like, you know, when Andrew bought that deluxe pack, I looked at what's included there and I'm like, Oh, that is... I, I actually don't have a bunch of these sieves. Sure. Like I just don't. Yeah. It's more, I don't have and, Australia. And... I don't have like, uh, the Mayans and this other stuff. And all that is included now in that pack that I got is more than came with Civ fives, uh, game of the year edition, which was their final, edition of Civ 5, right? And and to be fair, I did the thing with Civ 5 that I tried not to do with Civ 6, which was I sure love Civ, so I bought Civ 5 when it came out, and we played it, and it was good, and it was still kind of like, oh, this could be better, and then the first DLC came, and I'm like, well, I should buy that, because I think that game could be better. Bought it at full-ish price, and, and then... It, uh, it was better, right? It was better, and then the next DLC came and waited, and I bought that when it came out and paid full-ish like, price. Oh, man, hey, this is, like, pretty good this now, game man. This really like, yeah. good now? Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, being a uh, financially-minded person, thanks to the We Were, we were Gamers uh, purchasing doctrine. I, oof, that's a mouthful. But I like the word purchasing <laughs> doctrine. So we got to work on that. WWG purchase doctrine. I mean, it seems like a a thing that you would do in a civilization game. You'd have a purchasing doctrine. Oh, man. Oh, you would put it into your economic policy tracker or yeah. whatever they call that in the Civ Six thing, right? Where you get your your economic goals or, or you know what your I'm talking civics. about? Civics. Civics tree. Yeah, the civics tree. I don't know the names for everything yet. Uh, so I said, you know what? Civ Six looks all right. People aren't raving about it as much as they did like Civ Five, but it looks good, so I'll wait. Now we're at the point that it has more stuff than Civ Five. They put out a pack, and now what are they? What what have they done here? So this new Frontier Pass is being is going to be sold for forty dollars. Oh, uh, which is Ooh. the price of the expansions, right? Oh, that's so Gathering Storm was forty. Aren't they thirty? Yeah, Gathering Storm was forty at release, Oof. and still is, I believe. Uh, it's been on sale a few times, but yes, like uh, base, I believe Gathering Storm is forty dollars. Wow! So this pass includes six updates, uh, to which each update includes at least one sieve. Some of the updates include two. Uh, at least one leader. Some of the updates include two. Uh, at least one new game mode, uh, which may be something that you haven't really messed with in Civ Six, and I know I really haven't either. Which is one uh, of those like you can't uh, trade or whatever, you know, like. So they a- they modes. added a game mode in a while back that was like uh, I think it was called like the Red Death or something. Oh, and and it was almost like a total conversion mod that they did for but it, it, it's like a scenario but with more outlandish rules and stuff okay uh I, I think that red death one they did was like a future wasteland kind of update thing okay uh and then each one in each 
uh, each each of these packs they're calling them then includes other stuff that is defined or not yet defined in the case of some of the later packs. The first pack is coming in May, includes the Maya civilization and Grand Columbia civilization. Mm -hmm. Uh, It includes the game mode Apocalypse, which we know I know nothing about. Uh, some some city states, some new resources, and then more. Which who knows what that means. So that's what you get in the May update, and then they're doing one in July, September, November, January, and March. So you kind of get like your years, your expansions spread out over the course of a year here. Yeah, every two months. Uh, there are also then going to be free updates for all players that include maps, scenarios, balance changes, that kind of stuff. Uh, and if you buy this pass, you also get uh, two new personas for leaders that currently exist in the game. You get Rough Rider Teddy Roosevelt and the Magnificence Catherine. Wait, I thought Teddy um, Roosevelt who, was already in the game. Yeah, this is a new persona for Teddy Roosevelt, right? Okay. So it would be over yeah, or a, a, a different version of Teddy Roosevelt that has uh, different abilities and Catherine de Medici with different abilities also. Uh, the only thing beyond this that we know about is in July. Uh, it's called the Ethiopia pack, so you can guess that you probably get Ethiopia there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the game mode is called Secret Societies, and they're adding a new district. Oh, okay. That's kind of all that's got. Uh, but these are also all coming to PC, Mac, Linux, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. So... No longer will the console and other versions of the game be like Super months behind. or years behind. Yeah. So that's good, probably. This is confusing. I'm confused why it's 40 bucks. Yeah. The argument I've seen is people saying, like, oh, this is the same stuff you would get with an expansion, but spread out longer. To which I would argue, actually, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. this is. In some ways more, but in some ways less than what you would get, right? This is way more sieves than you would get in an expansion. This is the interstitial stuff they would do between expansions. Like, this is the stuff that would be DLC normally. Right. $2 a pop. So you get a a sieve here, a sieve there, a sieve here, a couple sieves here, that kind of stuff. Uh Uh-huh. These game modes, eh, take them or leave them, like... I, I have not messed with them, uh, but in the past, people have said that these are like good for like one fun playthrough. The thing that usually happens in expansions that I did not hear here, other yeah. than maybe the personas, mm-hmm. is a significant structural or mechanical change to the way the game works. Yeah. So that's the big thing, right? Like new systems, new uh, like mechanical updates to the game. That's yeah. the stuff that usually comes in these. They added big natural disasters in Gathering Storm. That changed the game. They added global warming, all these other kinds of water level rise, pollution. They added all this stuff as systems to engage with. None of this has talked about new systems. They said they're adding new and more powerful and more devastating disasters. Well, okay, but that's a system that already exists, and you're just taking it from eight possible choices to 12, you know? Mm-hmm. That's not a... It's not new, it's just more. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about this pass. I I love Civ 6. I've played a ton of it. I mm. because the thing is, like and like I told you, 
there's a ton of DLC for Civ 6 and Civ 5 that I don't own because I didn't like, oh, do I need the like one Civ? No. Four ninety nine DLC? Like, no. Absolutely you don't. You will And most will of what notice. you get in this is a bunch of civs and leaders, right? Sure. You know, hmm. Let's pull up our little stats here. This is not research. <laughs> <laughs> so Civ five. I have a hundred and thirty nine hours of playtime. Ooh. Yeah, it's one of my top play times. <laughs> right? It is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot it's of a lot. play time. But I played that game uh every night for years. Almost every night for years. Because, you know, I single person living in an apartment by myself, going to work long hours and wanting to just chill. And part of just chilling is clicking into the Civ menu. And being like, what's this wacky Civ do? And you never have to finish the game. Yeah. But how much dollars is that someone, worth? Someone wrote an article and pulled the data on like how many people have started a game of Civ and how many people have finished it. <laughs> uh, for Civ 6, there were like 80, 60 or 80% of people. I think it's like 60% of people started a game. And then less than 40 actually finished one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and... I think that's pretty reasonable, actually, because it, it, so and this goes to my critiques about Civ Six in general is that once you get to the like end game, there can be a lot of like, okay, I'm gonna win. I just have to spend eighty more turns clicking next turn, and like my my win condition will yep. happen. And that's part of it for sure. I've and that's why people don't finish these games. Yep, I've definitely had nights where I'm like, well. They haven't founded the World Congress, and I'm 22 turns away from my spaceship. So there's literally no way I can lose. Uh, but the turns take quite a long time this point in the game, so I'm going to turn on a 45-minute or an hour show and just keep hitting enter. <laughs> just to get the win, so I get the achievement for the win. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think yeah. my opinion on this pass, and they, to be fair, they have said these packs will be sold separately. Sure. So, so if you really like the July pack with Ethiopia and the Secret Society mode and whatever, you can just get that one. Uh, but buying the whole pack obviously will give you some level of discount or something. I don't think it's a massive discount, but you know, discount is discount. Well, but I know. think the question is like, do you think this? is worth $40 and I don't know if I don't know if I'm there. Here's the good news, it's sold as a pack. This is really easy to discount a pack. Hmm. Well, so uh this is the equivalent of a season pass, right? Right, sure. But season pass especially with the the yeah. way these are uh spaced out every couple months. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Um So, you know, I if you buy this season pass later on the discount, you will have to wait the entire year's worth of time and probably then some, and then it will go on discount maybe. Right. But, but knowing that they haven't added a new structural change to the game, can you wait a year to play the game? Yeah. That's the question. I and think and the like, yes, to be so. fair, to be fair, the way they have structured it, they haven't said, and I think they don't know what will be in some of these packs. 
Ah, okay. It, there's a lot of like more new content listed under some of these. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like new game mode, new content, new game mode, new content, new game mode, new content. And like sure. the civs and the leaders are all like you get one, you get two, you get one, you get two, you get one, you get two. Uh-huh. So they maybe have an idea or know what they're doing for all of those, but they maybe don't know <laughs> what they're doing for all these game modes and content. What is new content? I mean, this one is adding a district. I would say adding a district is potentially consequential. Sure. Okay. But one. But one, right? Yeah. If the one district is like the airport district, who cares? Well, yeah, it's <laughs> like a... Uh, I don't know if there's already a religious district. You you would have to answer this question for me. Uh, there's a holy site, yes. Okay, so um, I know there's a college. Yep, there's district a uh, and a military district. Yep, there's probably a manufacturing district. There is. <laughs> yeah, there's a space. Uh, there's a spaceport district. Shopping. Uh, those are typically part of the commercial district, right? The like market, the, right? Yeah, the production district, the the city. Yeah, center. I guess there's no, I guess there's no districts for just gold. So maybe it's a gold, but does a gold district make me want to play the game? No, right, right. And like, like there is an airport district, and there's a spaceport district. But like, what are those used for? They're used for building the spaceports, and they're used for building airplanes, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's not, you know. Yeah. The harbor has some like trade route stuff and some fishing boat stuff, but then it's used for building ships. Right. You know, so like adding a district, but if the district is used to build like giant robot district, like <laughs> I want the giant robot, but also hey. if that's all I'm doing with it, that's not a consequential change. I would love a uh what is, what would you call it? A kaiju battle mode in that game? So I think the chance that the most interesting stuff about this is those game modes is likely to be high, right? I mean, the sieves are the sieves. Like, you either want more sieves or you don't. Great. Sure. I saw people on the internet were super excited about Grand Colombia because I guess that's, like, a really important Latin American nation thing, even though it only existed for, like, 12 years. And the leader was apparently very popular. Okay. Okay. But, like... I don't need more sieves in my sieves since I haven't played a bunch of them <laughs> currently. Like it doesn't, you know, I don't know that it adds a lot for me personally, but I could see if you played like a thousand hours of this game already and you're like, Oh, what is this apocalypse game mode? That sounds rad. Like maybe that's the thing. And if maybe some of these new game modes are cool, it would be worth picking up. I know personally that there are people whose only game is sieve. Yeah. I mean, these games are deep enough and long enough that you could, you could be that person, right? I have been at certain points in time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now you got me all hopped up. Can we talk about Civ 6 for a minute? I love I th- talking about Civ 6. Do you? I loved talking about 5. I don't know if I love talking about 6. Are you oh, gonna, I'm... I don't know if Michael's going to stand us talking about Civ for much longer. <laughs> uh... That game looks like Civ Five with new stuff on it. Well, I mean, yeah. I've been playing a little bit of it. Okay. Uh, they added civics, right? Which is cool. Not so they. 
to put civics in context, it's a tech civics tree are, for for it's a tech tree for social policy as yeah. opposed to a tech tree for technology. Right. You don't have to research democracy anymore like you did in the old de- tech tree. Correct. Yeah. You, you put your social points towards democracy instead of your in. science points. Right. Which is a cool idea. I like that. I'm not I don't quite understand when you get to change your civics without paying. When uh, you unlock new ones generally. Yeah, it seems like I should be unlocking them more than I do because I but now, are you talking about your civics or are you talking about your like government and your cards? Those the are cards. How do you get to change the cards without paying? Anytime you unlock a civic, you get a anytime you complete a civic research, right? Uh-huh. You can change those cards for free. Oh. There are also like other events that you can do related to governors. There's also things related to like um certain like sciences and mm-hmm. stuff that will allow you to do that. The, uh, uh, the other yeah. thing I want to ask you and why you never mentioned to me was the change in builders. Uh, they got charges, man. Michael, if you built a Sorry. road, if you built a road, we, oh, wait, that's a bad example. They don't build roads anymore. Nope. <laughs> uh, and that's why, right? I think. If you built a farm, Michael... Would you just disappear afterwards? Um, or would you maybe try and go build more farms if you were a good farm builder? I mean, I might try and build on what I already had. Okay. It's very odd. I didn't know that there were only three charges on a builder. So I'm like waiting five, ten turns for my builder to complete a farm. And I'm like, where is this guy? <laughs> He's disappeared. I need to build some roads. And that's when my multiplayer that's partner when. at that point in time goes, oh, so roads are built by trade routes now. Yes, they are. Wow, what a change. I mean, this is a thing you could have read about and has been there since the first Civ Six. Yeah, yeah, know? sure. I But this is the first time I booted Civ Six, right? And uh, I didn't read about the changes. I wanted to play the changes because that's the more fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, So trade routes are actually important. No. Right. You need them. Uh, And to be fair, like uh, you can also build them between your own cities, which is beneficial because then it creates roads there. Right. That's the. Yeah. uh, You also get to exchange some resources, which can be nice, but, you know, is not like essential. But it could be depending on like the kinds of stuff you have access to in your cities. Anyway, uh, because trade routes are the things that create roads, though. You don't really need builders all the time. And unlike in other civs, your builders build things instantly. Yeah, it was just one turn. Boom. You just want to build that farm? Click the build farm on this tile, it's done. Yeah. That was a nice, cool idea. I like that. I like the district idea, too. A lot. The district thing is the big difference, right? I think that's the most different thing. Yeah. But districts also harvest tiles. Like, they take a whole space. Mm-hmm. And it's that's a base forever. Yep. And you build an aqueduct in 600 BC. It's going to be an aqueduct until 9999 AD and the death of your city from nukes or whatever. <laughs> well, then it won't be an aqueduct anymore. Yeah, but you see what I'm saying? That's like, 
you know, having a one food production tile versus having a district there, if you're not getting something out of the district constantly, you know, it you can be a, a tough mistake in building it. That's you, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, oh, do I need to build this like city amenities district? We well, definitely like, don't want to build military. This is kind of like the I, I, the thing I like about it, Michael, is it becomes like Seven Wonders. Great game. Do I need a military yes. district? Oh, uh, okay. Because yeah. I can only, you know, I built this city on the ocean and there's five tiles around it that have like a winery and a farm and horses. So I need to harvest those. I can't build districts there. And then there's the ocean on the other side of my city. So, you know, obviously I'm going to have to build a harbor. I only leaves me like maybe two to three districts that I can build on this city. You know, one of them mm-hmm. uh, might be a college and the other one might, I might want to plan for a spaceport. Or you want to build the holy site to get your religion or you want to build the commercial one to get your production so, or you want to build the, you know, like, yeah, yeah, there's tons. And that's the thing that shocked me is there's no bulldozer. So like in a Seven Wonders style game, if you commit to something that you then abandon later, it might not be as wholly detrimental as it is, as it is in that game, but you've lost that space. It's just, it's gone. It's there if you want to restart building it again. <laughs> but yes, it is, the tile is gone. That seems unfortunate. Uh, I would like a bulldozer, but I can see why it is how it is. I think the bulldozer would allow you a little too much flexibility with how powerful some of the districts can be later in the game. Especially once you get to the point where your city is like rolling in money and production <laughs> points and you could just be like, destroy this district, rebuild this one, build 15 buildings in this district, like you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Could- Maybe if you were on like a settler mode, they give you it. And then after like chief, then you don't get the bulldozer anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, who knows? There's a million options, but yeah. it, it is very interesting. And the districts themselves get bonuses based on where they're placed. Oh, well, if I put the science district next to the mountains, it gets plus one science every turn forever. That's like amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I put the holy site next to the forest, it gets plus one faith every turn forever. Well, and then if I put this other one next to the river, it gets bonus points. But this piece of land is a river adjoining the forest, so what do I do here? <laughs> and, and that kind of stuff. Or like, or if I chop down the forest, I get production now, but then the forest is gone later. And that's just a thing, you know, that's been that has been in Civ wow. yeah. for forever, right? Mm-hmm. Well, very late game, you can get guys that replant forests. You know, the 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 reverse, uh, the, the reverse bulldozer, the the naturalist, uh, you know, and then there are bonuses if you create a bunch of forests together and make them into a state park and stuff like that. Ooh. So anyway, there's there's cool stuff at the end of this game. OK, I but, haven't gotten that far. I'm only like two hours in like, my first game. You know, these choices matter, right? Oh, but if you build these tiles near the river, the river can flood. And then if it floods, it destroys your tile and you have to go repair it, you know, and so like. <laughs> Uh, or, you know, build it near the coast. The coastline can rise with sea level rise and global warming. Uh, and your tiles will just, like, get swamped and be gone forever. Oops. <laughs> so, you know, it's a there's there's interesting choices with all these district stuff. I'm really curious to see how you 
enjoy yeah. playing the first game. We'll uh, we'll check back in on that. Let's say I I, I can't com- I I'm not going to commit <laughs> to when I'm going to finish that first game of Civ. You know how hard it, it is worth- to finish a game of Civ. It takes a long time. Yeah. I. Uh, you may want to consider starting a game on your own, separate from a multiplayer one, so oh, that yeah. you could just like I hear you. plow through and like mm-hmm. learn some of the later mm-hmm. game stuff. Yep. Uh, what have you guys been playing? I played some Civ Six. Uh, maybe there was a release recently that we should talk about that both of you have played. Yeah, so we dove back. JJ and I both dove into. A favorite of ours from the not not too distant past. We both launched the new DLC for Bloodstained. Yeah, Bloodstained: The Dawn of Sorrows. Uh, that's a Castlevania subtitle, Andrew, from the DS. Yeah, uh, Bloodstained: Ritual of the Night. Yes. <laughs> So I think we talked a little bit last week about them releasing two new modes, uh, the Zangetsu mode and a randomizer. I keep calling it whenever I wonder about it during the week. I'm like, I keep wondering how that mode went for them. And then I say to myself, Richter mode because of what you guys are talking about. And it doesn't work. Richter is Richter is easier to say than Zangetsu. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so hope, did, did you, you play Zangetsu, play Michael? Both? So I did not get to Zengetsu because I got caught up in the randomizer. Caught up in as in fun or caught up in as in this is really long and I'm stuck. Well, as in well, that was fun. my experience. So <laughs> yeah, JJ and I had opposite experiences a little bit. So I I went into it and decided on my first run I'm just going to turn this up to 11. I'm going to turn everything on all the way up to total chaos and just yeah. see how I do with it. Chaos. That's what I did too. Which I think is the the way the best way to go into it. Right? You mm-hmm. can customize it after the fact when you decide, oh, I do like this, I don't like that. But Sure. Yeah, turn it all the way up and hit start. Okay. So there are two or three things that you need to, to be able to get to the true ending of the game. So one of the things that you can randomize is your goal, and you can set it for one of the three different endings. So if you want the very last and best ending, there are two or three items that you need. Um, you need a particular sword um, that you get from Zangetsu. You need... Uh, one particular shard that lets you uh, warp through walls, and then you need some way to get past um, some of the obstacles. Uh, in the early game, you get a, a manipulate shard that lets you move objects, and if you have a way to get past that, whether it's with the double jump or the high jump, um, you can get around needing that. So, a couple things you need. In my run... I got the sword within the first maybe 10 minutes and I got the two shards that I needed with abilities within probably an hour and a half. So I hit go mode at the 90 minute mark. Whoa. Okay. And from so- there it was it was just me sort of playing around because I was having fun just discovering, you know, what items can I get from where and how much of the map can I explore with what I've been given. 
So, so in I contrast, I didn't make the run for the ending yet. So in contrast, <laughs> uh, oh, I no. set the settings also to total chaos. I for the first, let's say two thirds of the first area, I didn't have a weapon. How I had does to that work? press the the punch button. Does one damage? Oh no! And it maybe got to two after I. Uh, maybe got to two after I leveled up a couple times. Oh no! Because none of them dropped swords. I, I was getting crafting materials. I had armor. I had like really good armor. I, I had the armor that made me invulnerable to traps and stuff, which you get oh. like way later in the game. Okay. Um. But yeah, I had that. I had a bunch of like cool accessories, but no, no weapon, no swords, no spears, nothing. I had a uh, magic shard that I could cast once, and it used my entire MP bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was nice but it did like 40 damage and like maybe that killed one enemy but there's like five guys right um so you did a lot so of that, running well i know you could beat them it's not like it, it was in, like their attacks are not that hard to dodge this is the first area of the game okay like, you know you're out of this area in less than an hour in the normal game right fair and so finally i get a sword drop and then, you know, things move along swimmingly from there. But I didn't get any um, ability drops for, like, another two or three hours. I had... So I I was just normal jumping. I had I didn't have a double jump. I didn't have the high jump. I didn't have uh, the thing that lets you push and pull the objects. I didn't get the, the wall thing. None of that stuff. The first thing I got was invert. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which is cool, and you can do a lot of stuff with it, but there's not... A, Let's see, like, kind of run can, on the ceiling or something? Uh, it literally yeah. flips the castle over, yeah. Nice. So so that'll let you, like, you know, bypass stuff that you need double jump for, right? You just invert, walk up to the ceiling, walk over, and re-invert and fall down. Okay, like, but that doesn't help me in the places where I need, like, to get past the objects, or the places where there's literally a guy looking for a specific thing... You know, so it, or like where there's an open-ended ceiling that you can't go up through, right? So I feel like I got like some, like that definitely helped somewhere, but then I kind of like ran out of ideas. Like, where am I supposed to go now? Like, I <laughs> I forgot where the bosses were. <laughs> like, you know, I, like it's, some of this is my fault, right? Like it's totally my fault. I got a ton of weapons at this point. Um, You know, I had crafted a bunch of like random food drops and stuff. Um, but like, I didn't know where to go next. Like I, I didn't remember how to play the game and, I, and like not having the, the right progression mechanics made it feel like all the places that it was obvious I was supposed to go were the wrong places. Yeah. Cause things that are, things that are sh supposed to be gated to guide you to, Oh, this is where I need to be next because I can't get through this gate are no longer really relevant. Well, and then also I'm left with like, Oh, do I need to like farm this enemy to get a drop that's the one that I need? Yeah, see so that's the other thing is that when you turn the the randomness all the way up, the the shards that you need for abilities usually drop from either uh special pedestals or from beating bosses. But now when you mix it all the way up, they can drop literally anywhere. And so then I'm like going back to every room and be like, do I want to kill 15 ghosts here to see if the shard they have is the double jump that I need here? 
or and then I just eventually at some point was like, you know, no, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I, at some point, I'm gonna have to farm 500 like one HP enemies or 10,000 demons to get the sword that you need. And I know. And so then I just stopped. <laughs> the nice um, thing. So one which of my nice fault for that. turning it all the way up, right? Like you didn't need to play that way. Yeah. And so you, you learn what, what you can dial the customization down on to make it more enjoyable for you. Yeah. So like I, I should have gone back and like looked at been like, okay, I just want to fight the bosses here. Let's make the boss drops randomized, but not like, I don't want the boss uh I don't want the progression items to be from like the random spuds, you know. Well, okay. Right, so maybe mix the items up but leave the shards where they should be. Yeah, or like mix the boss shards up but not the regular shards or something yeah. like that. Uh so, you know, I mean, hey, it, it was fun. I enjoyed playing it again. Uh and I did play a little bit of Zangetsu. Uh which man. <laughs> Uh, so you didn't really try it, Michael? No, I did. Uh, I watched a couple of speed runs with Zengetsu, though. Speed so, runs with Zengetsu mode. Yes, it's oh, it's actually. I mean, JJ can speak to this more, but it's actually kind of designed for that. So the Zengetsu mode has no NPCs. Zengetsu mode has no quests. It really has no like item drops okay uh i guess that's not quite true it does drop some stuff right like food and hearts and that kind of stuff no not really huh because you use mp you don't really use hearts Mm -hmm. so there's not a lot really going on like it it is a pure combat game mostly when you're playing a zangetsu right there's basically no story anymore and zangetsu's moveset just like when you start the game, pops up in a big screen. It's just like, here's a list of moves, like a fighting game. It's like forward, forward, X does something, and like down, down, A, and like, you know, back, forward, back, forward, dragon punch, Y, and I mean, kind of stuff like cool. this. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, it, um, Michael, you played that game. You remember all those moves the boss Zangetsu was using on you? Yeah. What if you could do them by pressing uh, buttons uh, in the right combination? That would be awesome. He has that uh that like f- backwards float move where he the way all the fire the, shoots up. Yeah, yep, you can you can fire. do that. Uh you can press the one where he holds his sword out in front of him and parries you. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh the one where he shoots a chain and zips over to the enemy, you can do that. Uh he can do all that stuff. Nice. Uh the one thing they added, which uh was not uh, I didn't expect is that he can level up. Okay. Which thank God. <laughs> <laughs> is he a little squishy to start? He is a little squishy. <laughs> uh, if you stay on the, uh, the difficulty curve, maybe uh, it's not so bad, but because Zangetsu has all this movement available to him, like he double jumps out of the gate. He can oh, okay. do this. Like he can do this slide move in midair. He can do all this stuff like directly from the beginning. So there's a bunch of stuff that is gated by like doing certain things and certain moves in the game that's just available to you from the start, right? Uh, there's a big blood pool or whatever in the beginning of the game and you can't get through. That's just gone. You can just go down there. Oh, okay. Well, let me tell you, going down there is a bad idea. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, or, or maybe go level up a bunch before doing it because their enemies down there are stronger. And I had that moment. That- 
Zangus, who's not that good. Uh, you know, I mean, he's his skills are powerful, but you know, maybe get good with them before going to those places. Yeah. So we we talked about this a little bit, JJ, when you first started playing, and I don't know if you got a chance to look into it. When he levels up, do all of his stats go up? Yeah, I didn't look. That's a good question. I, his HP and MP went up a little bit. Sure. I don't know if the other abil- the other stats go up. I sure hope so. If the damage doesn't go up, he's going to be really, really, really hard by the end of the game. You're going to be fighting those last bosses for a long time. Yeah. Hmm. And no one's built and- like a chart or anything like that? Oh, I'm sure someone has. I just didn't look. Oh, okay. Hmm. Do you feel like there was a time when you were left out? Out of your element there, Andrew? Uh, yeah. Uh, and it was not in Zengetsu mode. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a similar experience uh, to that in a game I have now finished. And probably... Well, we're going to talk a little bit about it. I'm, I'm going to have a deeper discussion maybe on the story mode of... Or in the story aspect of Star Wars Fallen Order. Star Wars colon Jedi colon Fallen Order or whatever it is. <laughs> they should have just left Jedi out of it, but they had to do it because the word Jedi will sell a half a million copies. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I finished that game. There was definitely Yay. a moment early on where they're like, do you want to go to Dathomir? Where, you know, like the Darth Maul people are from. And I was like, sure, yeah. And they're like, are you sure? It's a little harder. I said, okay. <laughs> well, why wouldn't I go to the hard place and get more experience first and break this game? And so I played a good 30 minutes on Dathomir, trying to beat enemies that were really, really hard to beat. <laughs> like, I mean, it taught me uh, this Souls-style game uh, the mm-hmm. hard way, which is... You've encountered a new enemy type. It's going to kick your butt while you learn how it interacts with the world. You've encountered Mm -hmm. a new type of surprise. Congratulations. Now you know what to look out for, even though you're dead. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Oh, he can do that. Yeah. Now Um, you know. Yeah. There's like a type of enemy in this game called uh, a purge trooper, which are specialized trained stormtroopers who have weapons that can block your lightsaber so they can fight you in hand-to-hand combat um but they're not sith uh and each one of those you know you learn across the room okay he's holding x type of weapon which means he attacks this way that way etc like these are his attack patterns and his possible attack types you know, some of them are quite easy to beat, and some of them are extremely hard to beat for me personally, like, because of my combat style that I developed in that game. It's mm. weird to say that. For for me, personally, not a gamer of... I don't play modern releases every single week, right? Like, I'm not jumping between modern games. So this one was like, this game allows me to develop my own fighting style? Not in so much as, like, I'm building the sphere grid out that way, although it kind of is true. Uh, You know what? I take that back. That is true. Uh, There's a sphere grid in the game. And 
if you remember from, you know, games with t- trees, right? Like you, you get experience points, you level up. When you level up, you get a skill point. Uh, X ability costs one to three skill points. I think there might have been one that was four, but I don't think there were. Maybe it wasn't any more than three. It doesn't matter. Um, obviously, you level slower the lower the level, or you level faster the lower level you are, like any RPG, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, you can develop like a fighting style. I almost filled out the whole sphere grid by the end of the game and I chose to leave off something that I'm sure a lot of people would like because I didn't have enough experience for it. The ability to throw my lightsaber. So like that's a thing you can do is, oh, that guy up there I'm going to throw my lightsaber at him. Um, but you can also reflect stuff. So if there's a guy up there shooting at me, I could just reflect the shot back at him. And so I got better at that and then thought, I don't really need this throw lightsaber thing. It might've helped in a boss fight. Now that I think about it, (laughs) there's, there's an enemy in one of the boss fights that I'm just like, you need to stop running away from me. (laughs) This is getting very annoying. Hmm. It's almost like they were hinting at this towards you and you didn't see it. Uh, unless you did a hundred percent grind of that game, where you went back to find every secret, I don't know how you would fill out the sphere grid. Uh, this was to my point about Dathomir and going there early. I got a lot of extra experience by doing that very early, and I overpowered the game, so I was getting experience very quickly. Someone who maybe took the game in order and did not search for any extras or go back to any planets to get quote-unquote extras may not even get nearly as far as I did in the sphere grid. But it may not have mattered, right? Because they just got really good with dodging and right. using the right. lightsaber. So Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, later on in the game, this is a minor spoiler. It's probably okay. Uh, there's different types of lightsaber fighting styles, including different types of lightsabers that you have access to. Single and double and split lightsabers. But it's not like you have to choose. You don't equip them. They're just always on you. And you just decide which one or how you're using your lightsaber that can do all these things. Um, Each one has its advantages, right? The double-bladed does less damage than the single-bladed. But the double-bladed is way better at fighting multiple enemies or reflecting bullets or whatever. Um... It's a good game, you, know, you guys. <laughs> it's like the Dark Souls thing where a spear is good at, against guys that have a shield and the big sword is good for guys that like to block. But so, then the fast little sword lets you run around guys and backstab. It's literally good. It's the thing. I, it's the same game. Okay, so, <laughs> what I'm so that's the thing. I've never played Dark Souls. I'm not going to probably. I have a dark one Dark Souls game on my computer, so I'll probably try game, it. That's a lie. The game's that game's pretty good. Okay, it's good though, and but I like the Star Wars skin on. If this is truly a, a Dark Souls, I'm not sure I would stick with a Dark Souls to the end of the game unless it were skinned like this. 
right. because I mean that's I fair. got to a certain point where I even considered like I really am not enjoying this one pl- type of enemy on this one planet, and they're just throwing them at me endlessly, and I I'm not enjoying this part of the game, and I had to take a break from the game and come back to it. Uh, if you know me, you know how I feel about zombies. Bro, how do you like zombies in Star Wars? Cool. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of that moment. And the continued enemy flood that happened after that. And we know how you feel about the flood. Oh, yeah. That has been a consistent theme of this chat, actually. Um, So I have my nitpicks about it. But as a Dark Souls aficionado, JJ, Mm -hmm. are things gated off to you based on abilities you get in Dark Souls? Or is Dark Souls just about getting, like, more power and weapons, but you could go straight to the end of the game? So, okay, no, right? You can't just go straight to the end of the game. Okay, but so... There's there's usually something you need to do, whether it's kill X bosses, find a specific magical thing and then kill some bosses or you know do a certain thing in a certain place or something like that there is usually things you need to do first they may be like not well explained or perhaps not explained at all but usually you got to do some stuff you can't just go straight to the end so this game does that with force powers so like you'll get halfway through a planet exploration and then you'll get to the point where you're like well, I need to go there, and then the game's like, uh, actually, you you can't go here yet. You have to... I'm sorry. There's no way. You just can't cross this gap unless you can rip down that vine with your magic force power you don't have. Sorry, hmm. go back to your ship. You go back to your ship, and you, you know your crew magically has an explanation for why you need to go to the next planet. And then on the next planet, you're like, oh, see, I got the vine rippy force pull. I can go back to the first planet and vine rippy force pull. And now I can jump across and finish that planet. So I would say usually in Dark Souls, it's like, oh, the gate to this castle is closed. You have to do something to open it. Mm. Or I can't get through this area here because it's blocked by a magic thing. And you got to go do something about that. So, or when I kill this boss, this magical force field disappears and you can go over here. I got a weird feeling that like they tried to introduce some Metroidvania-ish style stuff to this Star Wars game. That is the thing that I have heard about it. Uh, which I I want to table that discussion about Metroidvania for maybe next podcast where we talk about what is the difference between RPGs and Metroidvanias. Uh because I'm left, this game left me with like a, is this a third person adventure game? No. Is it a Dark Souls game? Yeah, pretty much. But also there's more like Metroid stuff than there is uh, not, right? Um, it was good. I was unable to stop the game from hitching every time I loaded it. Cool. And every time it loaded new levels, I would have to spin the camera madly to try and get the game to hitch so that it would find textures or whatever it was trying to find and load them. Um, I, I'm not a huge, I get why they did no fast travel in this game. The, the thing about the game is getting new force powers and exploring and stuff like that. But uh, 
there are some moments I didn't hundred percent this game, and this is totally the type of game I would have hundred percented five years ago. But the exploration factor only yields cosmetic stuff. And by the mm-hmm. end of the game, I already knew the couple cosmetic things I liked that I could change. And so I didn't want any more of them and there's no fast travel. So if I went back to one of the big planets to find the five missing chests that I couldn't get because I didn't have wall run before, unless I looked up a guide and tried to remember every chest I'd already gotten, because there's no marking on the map or anything of chests you've already opened, I'd have to run back through the whole planet. There's no like, oh, you can jump to that meditation point, or you can jump to this special fast transport hub, or like there's a second landing platform for your ship if you're coming back to do the last exploration of the area that was locked to you. So that kind of bums me out that like the amount of work isn't exploration work. It's busy work of like, I got to run back through all these enemies. So for Dark Souls, minutes. uh, you know, to be fair, Dark Souls does not allow fast travel I know. until usually yeah. some later point in most of the games. Oh, okay. Some later point though. It, well, in Dark Souls one, you don't get it until like you've done a good portion of the game. Dark Souls two. I don't remember. Dark Souls three allows it much earlier. But the thing that gates you in Dark Souls is you can only fast travel to the bonfires. Yeah, I would take that. And in Dark Souls 1, not every bonfire, but a lot of them. Okay, but see, I would take... And the other ones, it's almost all of them. I would take, like, okay, you are at the last possible stage of the game before the end of the game. There's a very clear moment where you're like, if I fly to this next planet, the game is going to be over and I'm not going to be able to go back. They don't tell you specifically, like, hey, don't go here unless you're done. Uh, But but you you know. You can tell. And uh, that would be the moment where I wish the game was like, hey, if you want to go back to these other planets, you can now fast travel between meditation circles. Because then I would have 100% of this game. Um, let's see. So the thing I think that uh, makes that harder is that in Dark Souls, or at least the ones I've played the hundred percenting them requires a lot of grinding for random weapons and yeah. drops and items Not and that the kind case of stuff. Here. Yeah. So yeah. So like that's the thing where like, oh well in Dark Souls, if you just want to fast travel to this bonfire over and over so you can like reset the enemies and farm this one guy who has a rare drop that you need ten of if you want to level up your weapon of this one type that's super rare and all this kind of garbage. And like that's the case where like you need that, right? Sure. In a, in a game like this where there isn't a ton of like super rare drop based loot kind of thing, maybe that's their thinking there. I don't know. I I can understand the article, desire for fast travel. There right? is a whole article out there. I don't remember what outlet had it about the explanation for no why no fast travel. It essentially comes down to that's the universe we built, you know. And I'm okay w- with the idea of no fast travel, but I really wish they had said it's very obvious on some of the planets, like where my missing stuff is like that. I could have gone back to get. And if they had just said, well, why don't we let the player land their ship on this side of the planet? Now that they're not fighting the empire on this planet anymore. 
that would have done enough, right? If you took the 25 minutes it would take me to run to that section of the map, it, it, some of them would be that long, like 25 minutes to get across the okay, map. Okay, but that far. did they notif- did they show you on the map that there's something you missed here? No. Did you know? No. Well, how did you know to run 25 minutes over there though? Because like, that's the like- section of the map that I that I now have the ability to unlock to say like it'll show you like hey uh, this is green now. So yes, there's like a little. Okay, you didn't have this force power before, so now you can knock down this wall. Okay. So the trade-off there in Dark Souls is there's nothing. You okay, but, have no idea if there's anything over here. You just have to know. Okay, but then it doesn't tell you it. like of the five chests you're missing, one is behind that wall, and the other five are somewhere else, or like. It doesn't show you the chests you've opened or anything but like the that. The fact that you knew that there, there's an indicator that you could do something there <laughs> is way more than you get okay, in the Dark Souls okay, games. Okay, <laughs> but it's just not in me anymore to run across an uh, non-empty, but run across an enemy-filled map where I'm just going to ignore all of them for 25 minutes to run to the green wall that only has a cosmetic behind it. Okay. You don't have to 100% know, the game, know, man. That's fine. I know. I wish. I just wish. That's, That's all good. I'm saying. You, understanding that you don't need that cosmetic is important. <laughs> Not 100%ing it is a right. It's true. <laughs> they could have made it friendlier is all I'm saying. Uh, we need to move on from this. It's not that important. There are more important uh, issues with the game that people should know about. Uh, some enemies, you just have to cheese them to win. Cheesing enemies is a time-honored Dark Souls tradition. I honestly don't know how you would beat some of the enemies in this game without cheesing them. Throw them off a cliff? Uh, throwing them off a Dude. cliff, in F- Michael, is in fact part of the game. Fair. Okay. Um, Balanced. There is an achievement for having shoved 100 people off of cliffs. <laughs> I like it. Look, I have Force Push, and later in the game I have Whirlwind Force Push, so I just whole groups of stormtroopers over the side. You shouldn't have been on that catwalk. Seems good to me. What? That's not cheese. Look, Balanced. no, that's that is not what I'm talking about when I say cheese. There's a there's a bounty hunter that I had a lot of trouble with. They come as a pair, and I stood in. I found an exact spot up against a pillar, where the bounty hunter stood on the other side of the pillar, trying to punch me. But my lightsaber went through the pillar, and his rockets did not. Seems fair. They put then, it in the game. And yeah. then, and then uh, there's another bounty hunter that has a jetpack and is shooting you from the air and just will not land no matter what you do. So eventually, taking tons of damage, I walked to an edge so he would fly further back from the edge. Force pushed him further, further back from the edge. So that when the AI tried to do the one in every 10 minute landings, it was too far back to land and fell off the edge. (laughs) Again, they put it in the game. It counts. I I don't see the problem. (laughs) I would like to point out that I did all the main and correct boss fights fairly without cheesing. Uh, Uh, Who cares, dude? Abusing pathing and abusing AI is like, I guess it doesn't feel very good. To be light win though? Yeah, I guess. Okay, fine. So then it feels good. <laughs> My yeah. Okay, so back, hitching, back hitching is bad, but the worst part 
of the stuff that people should know about is the camera. It's a free spinning camera. But if you get stuck up against a wall or a corner, it will point straight down on you. And then an enemy will pin you against the wall or the corner. And so you cannot see the enemy because you're faced the wrong way with the camera that is pinned in the corner. So good luck jumping or slashing madly to try and get out of the corner so you can move the camera. I died multiple times to this problem. Yeah, there are definitely bosses in some of those games where like half of getting good and winning against the boss is learning where and how far you can move in the arena before you die yeah. or something dumb happens to yep. you. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a particular boss I'm thinking of in Sekiro that like takes place in a canyon, but it's this big open area in the canyon. But if you just keep running away from him enough, eventually you get into a narrow part and it's like, <laughs> well, now I'm trapped here and this giant guy is in front of me. I'm going to get murdered. And then I definitely had murdered. multiple enemies where I tricked them through a door they couldn't fit through and then I just lightsabered them from the other side of the door till they died. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> I do that all the time in, against giant enemies in Dark Souls. Why did they make this door here and put this giant guy on the other side of it? Uh-huh. I'm obviously going to do this. <laughs> um, I want to point out that these are minor uh, complaints that annoyed me that I wouldn't. I now know how to fix when I'm playing the game, but they were annoying at the beginning. Uh, I didn't talk much about the story. I want to talk about it with Ken because we'll go really in-depth into the story, which you probably don't want all the spoilers on here. But um, there's a very... The game is very cinematic. They had the idea to make this game part of the Star Wars universe in so much as it feels akin to, not as good as, but akin to The Mandalorian in its design. It's a side story... Kinda. <laughs> There's an, but it's it's a it's a you build your crew that kind of thing, right? Like the Mandalorian does. Um, I really liked it. Without saying spoilers, um, they've already said they're making another in this series, not necessarily a sequel, right? Um, they're using this tech again to make another. Star Wars game like this. I don't know anything about what it is or what it's related to. And it would not have to be related to this game. So that's a non-spoiler. But I would I will play that based on my experience with this. Whatever it is. And boy do I have some comments about the cinematic ending to this game. I'm excited to hear that up from you and Ken. Because I have no context about any of this Star Wars stuff especially since I suspect it to it, it ties into the parts of star Wars that I specifically know nothing about. So yes, <laughs> I'm curious to hear what you guys think about it. Uh, yeah. It's really strange that it ties into a lot of the, it ties in directly to the clone war and the revenge of the Sith, those two movies. But it also, now that I'm starting to watch that series, The Clone Wars, is much more involved in the wider universe than I thought it would be. So, um, boy, that ending, though. I have to say, it is great, and also they could have done some things way better. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't think I should give spoilers. Should you? Should we give spoilers? We probably shouldn't give spoilers for that. 
It's pretty good. Talk about it with Ken. Okay. That will be spoiler filled. Um, we got to probably wrap up there today. If you have questions or comments for a Star Wars related pod, where would you send them? You could send those to podcast at weweregamers.com, a email address that we read and you should send messages to. We're also on social media at We Were Gamers on Facebook and Instagram and wherever else social media is. We're also on uh, fine podcasting apps uh, like, you know, Apple and Google and Stitcher and Spotify and wherever you're hearing this podcast. So please subscribe to us in all those places. Nice. YouTube. Yeah. All right. Outro before the next one. Twix. Kit Kat or Butterfinger. Kit Kat. Ooh. Uh, Butterfinger? Because it's no. the only peanut butter one there. Twix. Ooh.